you're here, my name is Daniel Casnay. I'm the pastor here at the Bridge Church. And if you're joining us online, or uh, we love seeing your beautiful faces in the room as well, just worshiping together. And I just believe, uh, you know, your, your presence matters, right? Your presence matters. And having uh, seen you guys walk in and, and being together as a church family, it really, really makes a difference. And and so I'm just so thankful for you that we get to serve together, we get to worship together, we get to dive into God's Word together, and so um, it, it just makes a big difference. So it's, a, it's been incredible just getting to know each and every one of you, and I believe that God is just getting started. Amen? Amen. We're in a series called By Faith, By Faith, and it started last week, and uh, we're studying uh, Hebrews chapter 11, Hebrews chapter 11, and we're in that chapter for about four or five weeks, and if you read through that chapter, you'll see why we called it By Faith, because over and over again, you see those two words, By Faith. By faith, by faith, so-and-so did this. By faith, so-and-so did this. And so we're trying to dig into it a little bit and seeing what we can learn from those people. Uh, there are 16 different examples that are listed in Hebrews chapter 11. And so we're, we're not going to be able to get to all of them. Uh, but we're going to look at Hebrews chapter 11 today. We're going to look at verses 1 through 6, if you have your Bibles, verses 1 through 6. And then um, we're going to jump in. But I just want to pray for us, ask God to speak to our hearts here this morning. And uh, today was a beautiful morning, wasn't it? It just feels pretty nice in the shade. Uh, they feel that nice breeze. But anyway, we, I love those because we get those storms in the evening, right? Just a rainfall. And then it's nice, cool in the mornings, right? Okay, I'm done talking about the weather. All right, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for today. Thank you for each and every soul that can hear the sound of my voice, God. I pray that you would speak to our hearts. God, I, I know that there's a lot going on around us, uh, inside of us, and uh, just uh, with life and in general, God. And I pray over the next few moments we can just uh, soak in your word. We can soak in your truth, God. I pray that the Holy Spirit would illuminate and pinpoint some things in our lives and in our hearts of where you're trying to get us to grow by faith, God. I pray that if there's anybody who doesn't know you, God, I pray that today changes everything forever. I pray that we are able to surrender our lives to you, God. I pray that I will decrease so that you may increase. We ask all this in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen, amen. So I'm wondering, I'm just going to get a feel for the room. Have you ever wrestled with the complexities of life? Like, have you ever just felt like life was pretty complex? Anybody in the house? Anybody? Yeah, I'm seeing some head nods. Almost everybody, right? If you've been old enough to live past five, you're like, wow, this thing can be pretty complex, right? There's a lot of different things happening. And usually, have you noticed when things get complex, uh, we can have different mindsets. You know, if you're maybe starting a game for the first time, you pull out the instructions and somebody's trying to explain it to you and you're like, wow. This is pretty complex. I'm not real sure I want to play this game, right? Like we want to pull out. We want to say, I don't, I don't know about this. Maybe you've had a relationship before. I'm not talking about the one you're in now, but I'm just saying like maybe you've had one before and you're like, well, this is just complicated. I'm out, right? Like this is complicated, whatever it may be. And uh, they even had that status on Facebook, right? Like they used to be able, I'm like, who would put that, right? Like it's, anyway, um, they, all of these pieces, right? Because when things get complicated, it's easy for us to do what? Kind of pull back, right? It's easy for us to go, I don't know about this. It's just, there's too much going on. There's too much to wade through. There's too much to figure out. But I also believe that sometimes I think we can feel that way in our relationship with God. 
right? We can maybe lean in or come to church or open up our Bible and we look at all these 66 books and all of these words and all these verses and you're like, whoa, this is pretty complex. Like this is, there's a lot going on. There's Old Testament and New Testament and they, uh, you know, I come to church and they talk about praying this and faith that and there's just all of these, this movement happening and different pieces to God and it's just so complex. Sometimes maybe it feels so complex. We're like, you know what? I, I don't even know what next step to take, what first step to take because it's just it can be so complex, right? It can feel overwhelming and uh, we can wade through that. And so I believe that when we read, especially through the New Testament, and you watch Jesus teaching and interacting with people over and over again, he's taken the complex that has happened for hundreds and thousands of years. He's taken all that complexity and he keeps trying to give clarity, right? He keeps trying to go, look, don't make it complicated. Don't make it complicated. Right? We see this over and over again, especially in Jesus' teaching. And so my prayer, my hope today is that we're able to kind of wade through the complexity and get back to where God has called us, right? Where, where God, we get back to that, that almost that I know what my direction is. I know what my purpose is. I know what my next step is, and I am ready to take that step. And so as we lean into that a little bit, we see in Hebrews chapter 11, it was really, if you remember last week, it was really written because they were, the Christians were receiving all of this persecution. They were uh, being hunted down and thrown in jail and thrown in prison, and uh, they were under extreme persecution, and they were even wondering, is this even worth it? There's a lot going on in my life, and, I'm, and this is even happening. And so the writer of Hebrews is writing to encourage them to go, hey, remember the main thing. God is with you. Remember what God is doing in your lives. And so in Hebrews chapter 11, he not only gives us a clear picture of what faith is, but also he goes, hey, here's some people. Remember these people because they live by faith. They went through all of these struggles as well. These trials, these temptations, they went through all of this, too. And here's how they live by faith. And so you and I, we get to dive in to a few of them today. And so I want to start reading Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, and read through uh, verse 6. And you're going to see the first two that they bring up and talk about. It says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. I love that definition of faith because you and I, sometimes we hear the term, I'm walking by faith, right? And walking by faith it, you may not be able to see, it may not be reality yet, but yet there's a conviction inside of us of how we should live, right? There's a conviction inside of us of the way that our maybe neighborhood should look or our family should look or whatever it would look like, right? And God says, even though it's not a reality yet, we live by faith, right? We live by the deep convictions that God has given us. And when I walk by faith, live by faith, talk by faith, now I'm starting to see God move and work, even though it's unseen, right? Even though I can't see it, but I'm walking by faith. It says, for by it, the people of old received their accommodation. And so he's, about, he's talking about the list we're about to look at today. It says, by faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that were visible. We see this big faith move right here where he says it starts off the foundation to know that God is creator and that nothing existed and now everything existed. So nothing is outside of God's power. Right. And we're placing our faith in him. And then he continues. And this is where we this is kind of the new territory for us in our series. Verse four. Everybody still doing OK? Yeah. 
So verse 4, it says, here's our words. By faith, Abel offered to God more a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous. God commending him by accepting his gifts. And through his faith, he, though he died, he still speaks. By faith, he says it again, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death. And he was not found because God had taken him. Now, before he was taken, he was commending, commended as having pleased God. We get our first two examples, right, by faith. In Hebrews chapter 11, he really starts in chronological order. He starts in Genesis chapter 4 at the very beginning, and he begins to list these people out. And then he gives us 14 more, right, 14 more examples. And they're all kind of going in chronological or all the way down. And the first one he gives us is really this kind of obscure story in Genesis chapter 4. See, Cain and Abel were the very, uh, you have Adam and Eve. And then you have Cain and Abel, right? Like all of a sudden, these next two, Cain and Abel, who were the sons of Adam and Eve. And so you're getting at the very beginning of creation here. And at the very beginning, we see that God gave them some kind of instructions. We don't see it in the Bible. Some kind of instructions of how to worship him, how to give a sacrifice. And if you look later in the Old Testament, you realize there has to be a perfect lamb or this particular kind of dove. And uh, we see that because of our sin, uh, because of our sin, the, the wages is death, right? Because we have fallen short, God said, I, I need to receive this. There needs to be some kind of bloodshed to atone for the mistakes that we have made. And so the Old Testament sacrifices. And so the, one of the very first acts of worship that we see in the Bible is Cain and Abel bring this worship, bring this sacrifice to God. But here's the peculiar thing. They both bring a sacrifice to God, but God only accepts one of them, right? You have Abel. It says, if you read here in Genesis chapter 4, verses 3 through 5, it says, In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit on the, of the ground, and Abel also brought the firstborn of his flock and their fat portions. And the Lord had agreed, had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So Cain was very angry and his face fell. We see this picture. They both bring an offering and God looks at Abel's and goes, yes, this is the kind of sacrifice. This is the kind of offering. This is the kind of worship that I accept. This is it. And then you have Cain who brought his, his fruit to the, it says some fruit, right? And it says that, no, this, I'm not accepting this. This is not what I'm looking for. This is not the kind of sacrifice or not the kind of worship that I'm looking at. And, it's, and, and if we just look at that at face value, it's kind of hard to understand, right? It's kind of hard to go, well, why was this one accepted and this one not? And we see that God, even th later on in the Old Testament, God requires the firstborn. He wants our first and our best, right? And we see that Abel brought his first and his best, and he brought the animal sacrifice that would atone for the sin. And then we see that Cain brought some, and he brought crops. He brought just whatever he had, right? It was almost, the Bible almost indicates like he just, okay, I have this, let me just bring it to God. But what Abel did is he was nurturing these animals, and he said, which one's my best one? Which one's my first? Like, this is the one without blemish. This is, this is it. I'm going to bring my best to God. I'm going to bring my first to God. And God looks at Abel's sacrifice and goes, yes, that's worship. That's what I'm after. That, that kind of heart. And I think there's a principle for you and I of when we're living by faith. And the first thing, if you're taking notes, I'd love for you to take notes or maybe take a picture of the screen. It says, living by faith means aiming for obedience 
over sacrifice. Aiming for obedience over sacrifice. Which that's kind of crazy to think about, right? Because we know that Jesus sacrificed himself on the cross. And we talk about the sacrifice and the beauty that can come through sacrifice. But look at this in 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 22. And Samuel said, Has the Lord, uh, has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices, as in obeying the voice of the Lord. Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to listen is better than the fat of rams. We see this also in the New Testament where uh, Jesus and his disciples, they're walking around. And then on Sabbath, it would, they, they determined, the Pharisees religiously just determined that they couldn't work. And if you were to pick grain on a Sabbath, that's considered work. So you can't pick grain. So they were hungry. Jesus goes, grab some grain to eat. So they walk over, they pick some grain. The religious leaders get so upset. Why are you working on the Sabbath? And Jesus goes, wait a second. You're, you're doing all of this sacrifice, but I... I am looking for mercy over sacrifice, right? Like Jesus gives this picture of going, you're willing to sacrifice all this, but yet your heart is so far from me. And God gives us this principle for you and I that when we live by faith, our aim is obedience. And obedience will lead us oftentimes to sacrifice, right? It'll lead us. But if we replace those and if our aim is to sacrifice, then I think you and I can get in a mode. And this is what it looks like because we're not bringing our first animals to sacrifice, right, on Sundays. And so it's good, you know, for us, but what it looks like, that would be a wild service, right? Um, But what it looks like for you and I is, is we can come to God and go, God, I'm killing myself for you. Look at all of this I'm doing. Look how much I did all of this, God. I sacrificed my time. I did all of this, God. I'm sacrificing all of it. And I'm just wearing myself out. My, my fingers are to the bones. I'm trying to do all of this around me. And God's going, but I want you to make sure you're obeying me. Did I tell you to do that? Right? Because sometimes, I mean, if we're honest, sometimes sacrifice can even be a front for self like, I'm building myself up, right? Like, look what I did. Look at, look at everything. Look, I sacrificed all this for you, right? We could tell somebody we're in a relationship with, I sacrificed all this for you. You can't do this for me or you can't do that, right? And now it's become where I'm trying to lift myself up. Or maybe I'm coming to God going, God, look at, look at me. Look, at, look how many times I checked off every Sunday this year. I showed up every morning, did all of these things, right? I read this many, all this sacrifice that I did, God, was for you. And God's going, well... Did you do what my word says? Did you forgive that person? Did you love this person? Like like all of these different pieces, right? But God's going, hey, the focus needs to be first obedience. And if you're obedient to me, yeah, I'll lead you to the right sacrifices that I'm calling you to in life. But if sacrifice becomes the goal and the aim, it's easy for us to get lost. And that's what happened with the religious leaders, right? Right. They got all those 600 laws and they're going, watch this, watch how much I can sacrifice, watch how much I can memorize, watch all of these things. And it became more about what they could do in their own power instead of what God can do in his power. Right. And so God gives us this picture of going, I want you to aim for obedience. And if you're living by faith, we're aiming for listening to the the voice of God and, and hearing what he wants for us and what that next step looks like. For you and I, and this gives us a picture because in order for us to do that, our heart has to be in the right place, right? 
And so the next thing that we see with Cain and Abel, and if you read the story further in Genesis chapter 4, we see that his art immediately becomes angry, right? That was already what was in there. He becomes angry, and then we see the first murder in the Bible, right? Like he gets so mad that he murders his brother, and God has to hunt him down going, what are you doing? Like, how did you get so far from me? Because God obviously knew his heart, right? God knew what was going on in him. He knew what the motivation was for his sacrifice. And so if you're taking notes here, living by faith means living with the right motivation, living with the right motivation, because the motivation matters, right? If you're in a relationship with anybody, you already know the right motivation matters, right? Like, because think about your relationships. I'm thinking about uh, a gift that maybe somebody gave you um, or maybe a gift that you received uh, from somebody. I can remember uh, one of the, the first, uh, I guess as an adult, some of the big gifts I got. And it was the engagement ring that I got my wife. And I remember saving up for it. I was a college student. I worked at a furniture store and I worked full time and I was going to school, college at the same time. And so I couldn't save much, but I'm, I'm putting money back. And I finally remember I saved two thousand dollars and I thought I was the richest person on the planet. Right. And so I go into the jewelry store and I've never shopped for any kind of jewelry ever before in my life. And I'm like, hey, this is how much money I got. Uh, can can you tell me what kind of rings? And he's like, what kind of ring do you want? I'm like, don't know one that's real pretty maybe you know um and so then i was like oh you know what i want the diamond to look as big as possible okay like i only got this much money but i want the diamond to look huge can you help me he's like solitaire that's what you need right like you just need one you don't want to spread it out you want to put it all in one i'm like yes give me that and so we picked that out but i remember like saving it and i remember uh asking her to marry me and then and, and of course she said yes okay but um 15 years later she still wears it and she still cherishes it but I think it, it spoke more because my motive, she saw what my motivation was. She saw that I saved for like a year. She saw that I was willing to set those things back. But if I uh, were to go out and go, and I'm just outside, and I'm like, oh, what do I got? What do I got? Here's a piece of string, and I'm going to tie this thing together. You know, and I walk up to her, and I'm like, hey, I just found this on the road. Will you marry me? Right? Like, it wouldn't mean the same thing, right? Because the motivation is different. The motivation wasn't there. And for you and I to realize that when, what God wants us to have the right motivation, and really that changes a lot for how we interact with God, right? Because it can be easily muddied ambition and, and working hard for the Lord, right? Like it could easily be mixed up and, and construed a little bit, but God is saying, I'm more uh, engaged with your heart. And as we think about that in our relationship with God, it's coming to God with the right motivation, and a great question for you and I to ask in a lot of different relationships, but especially with God, is why? Why am I doing this? Right? Like, like why, why am I walking? Because the, the why question gives clarity to the overall motivation, right? Not only in our relationship with God, but if you talk to any kind of leadership person, when you get down to the why, you'll be willing to almost do anything, right? Like, why would you go and plant a church and set all this up every single... Why do these volunteers show up? Why do those kids, they show up in Bridge Kids and serve every other week? Why do the greeters come? And why would they do this year after year, over and over again, every single week? Why would they go do an event and do all these things? Why would they do VB? and go through all of that just to why because somebody could be in heaven forever because we introduced them to Jesus right like the why gives us the right motivation of going I would walk over broken glass if somebody would come to know Jesus right like I'm not saying that's a good take, uh, strategy but 
But the why gives us the right motivation, right? And all of a sudden, it gains some clarity of going, okay, if I'm going to sacrifice, I need to know that it's out of obedience to God, right? Like, even if you think about giving, like, if I give, but it's not out of the right motivation, it can puff myself up, right? And then, oh, the church didn't do something I didn't like, or this person didn't do this, or, you know, and all of a sudden now it's like, well, it's not, but God is saying, I want you to do it out of obedience to me. Like, if we can get to that point, that why of going, I'm serving because why? God asked me to, right? Because God wants me, God's walking with me in this, right? And it's by faith. But then by faith gives us this clarity of going, I'm doing this out of obedience to the Lord, right? And that why changes things because now that why is not determined by the people around me or their circumstances, right? My why is because of the Lord. My why is because of my relationship with Jesus. And we see what this looks like. And then Hebrews goes to the next piece. And he says, by faith, right, God accepted his, uh, his sacrifice because his motivation was right, because he was aiming for obedience, and he did what the Lord asked him to do. He just didn't sacrifice, just the sacrifice. Let me see what I got, and, like, here, and here you go, God, this is whatever I have. He goes, no, this is my first, this is my best, this is, this is what I got, God, I'm bringing it to you. My heart is in the right place. And then we get down to Enoch. And can we just say Enoch is a fascinating person? You know why? Because he's the only, there's only two people in the Bible that is listed as never dying. That they didn't have a death, that God ushered them straight up into heaven. Can we just all say, we want to pray for that? You know, like just, I mean, Elijah was carried up in a fiery chariot. I mean, how awesome is that? Like, how did you get here? I died. How did you get here? Fiery chariot. Like, I mean, that's amazing in itself. And then it says Enoch was, he was so close to the Lord that he was walking with the Lord. And one day he was there and the next moment he was gone. He's walking with the Lord and all of a sudden he's gone and he's walking with the Lord in heaven now. Right. It's just this moment of where God took him. And we see this beautiful peace happen for Enoch. And I think if somebody uh, pleases the Lord enough to where he says, hey, you don't have to die. I'm just going to take you with me. I think it's enough for you and I to lean in and go, "Ooh, what did he you know, like, well, why is this significant? What does this look like? And it says, by faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death. And was not found because God had taken him. Now, before he was taken, he was commended. And it tells us why he was commended. Why God is labeling him and saying, look to him. Look at his faith. It's because he as having pleased God. Pleased God. I love that term, right? That, that he pleased God. And so with you and I, that, that motivation piece changes a little bit now because it says that Enoch's goal in life was to what? Please God, right? It, was to, it, wasn't, it wasn't to please the people around him. It wasn't to please his ego. It wasn't to please all of these things, right? It was to please that was his aim, is to walk in obedience. Say, God, I want to please you. I want to walk with you. But in order for us to please God, we have to give God permission to go, God, this, my life is your life, right? Like I, now I'm re- by faith means I'm reorienting my life to pursue you, to pursue your promises, and to be led by you. But walking by faith, here's the tricky part. You ready for this one? This one can be a little tricky for you and I. Walking by faith means walking at God's pace. Right. It says that Enoch was walking with God and then say he was walking in front of God. He wasn't walking behind God like he was walking step. 
by step with God because his heart, his desire was, God, what pleases you? What, what do you want me to do? How do you want to guide me? And um, in the early days, I was doing some reading this weekend. Some of the early Puritans, I love this. They had a practice where they had a saying that led to a practice that they did. And they would, their saying was, uh, practice privately what you learn publicly. I love that. Practice privately what you learn publicly. So they would come together in a church like this. They would take notes and go, okay, here's what, God, here's what God's word says. Here's what God's wanting me to do. And then they would go together and they would like Sunday night, they would sit together as a family and go, hey, we talked about forgiveness today. So is there anybody in here that do you feel like you need to forgive, right? Or do you feel like you need to be forgiven for something, right? And all of a sudden they're practicing privately what they learn publicly. I love that. Isn't that a beautiful thing for you now to go, okay, I got this. Now on Tuesday night dinner, let's talk about this a little bit amongst our family, amongst relationships and those around me. But what a beautiful practice to please God, right? What a, what a way to take those steps practically of going, God, this is the way that you would have me. This is how we want to walk in this truth. And so for you and I, as we think about this, we get a uh, we get to peek into the window a little bit of what God wants us to do here in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6 of how do you please God? I love scripture because scripture interprets scripture, right? It, it gives us this picture, this window for you and I. And it says this, and without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. I love that. It says it's impossible to please God without faith, right? To live by faith. Then it says whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek after him. This gives us the, uh, a, a peace of mind of go, okay, what does God require of me? And I think this is where it gets simple, right? This is where it gets clear. I don't know if simple is the right word, um, but it gets clear for you and I, right? Because it can seem so complex and we can talk about all these different things of obedience and sacrifice and uh, open up God's word. And what does this look like? And what does that look like? But you and I, he gets extremely clear here, right here in Hebrew, in Hebrews chapter 11, verse six, it says, without a faith, it's impossible to him. Whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek after him. And he says, I want you to seek after me. I want you to want, to want to please me. I want your heart's desire to be so close to me that I can talk thousands of years from now as other people are trying to come to faith and they can go, hey, you remember her? You remember him? Hey, by faith, they walked with the Lord and their desire was to please God. And if you're taking notes here, walking by faith is living like God is real true and active in our life, right? Real, true, and active in our life. I was on the phone this week, and I was talking to a really good friend of mine, and he's, and I love his personality because he's the type of friend, maybe you're this type of friend, uh, he's going to tell you like it is, right? Like he's just, he's going to tell you the truth whether you like it or not. Anybody got a good friend like that? I think everybody needs a good friend like that, uh, where they're just going to tell you like it is. And we were talking about different concepts um, he used to be in full-time ministry. We're talking about different concepts that are uh, maybe harder to talk about in church, right? Concepts that are harder to talk about in church. And it's like, oh, this person's going to think this. This person's going to think that. And what are they going to do? And he made a statement, and I love it. And he says, you know, at some point in our lives and at some point in our relationship with God, we have to decide if God said it, is it true? Do I believe it enough to where I'm going to reorient my life around it? Or is it not? 
You know, is it is it true? And do I believe it by faith enough where I go, Okay, God said it, so I'm going to do it. God said it, so I'm going to believe it. Right. Or is it not? Is it I'm not sure I'm not really there yet. Right. And it's like he gives us this moment, this moment of clarity of going, you know, what? I want your heart to be the hungry after the presence of God, hungry after seeking him. And God says that living by faith, what Enoch did, his desire when he woke up in the morning, he was asking this question. This question was on his heart. This question was on his mind. God, does this please you? God, today, what's on my calendar? Does this please you? God, the conversation that I just had, does it please you? The relationships that I have in my life, does it please you? God, what I'm doing today was my reaction. Does that please you, God? All of these things, that question, it kind of makes things a little more clear, doesn't it? Right? For us to look at it and go, oh, does this please the Lord? And I didn't say it was easy, right? Right? Because sometimes we look at that right. Oh, right. Like, oh, God, I I had this desire. I want to do this. But God is saying, I want to make this happen for you and I. And so as I get ready to land the plane here, um, we in the counseling world, they have this saying and uh, they call it guiding assumptions. And so there's these they don't want you to really have a lot of assumptions coming in. You're supposed to listen and and active listening kind of thing. But there's some a few guiding assumptions to help kind of guide the conversation of what that may look like, right? And one of the guiding assumptions that I love is, is that complex problems don't always require complex solutions, right? Because sometimes we can think, oh, it's so complex. There's so many things. There's so many different levels to it. And there's so many different people involved in all of these things that we automatically assume, like, it has to be a complex solution, right? There has to be all of these layers to, to help make this answer true. And I love that guiding assumption of going, hey, don't remember, it, it may be an easy Right. And it may be a, a, a quick first step of saying it doesn't require a complex solution. And I think Jesus tries to do this with you and I over and over again in Scripture. He tries to give us clarity. Right. And we even see the rich young ruler or not the rich young ruler, the, the uh, Pharisees come to Jesus and they try to trick him. They try to make it complex and they go, hey, Jesus, uh, what is the most important commandment? They're trying to trip him up. What's the most important commandment? And Jesus goes, oh, that's easy. Oh, it's easy. It's clear, crystal, crystal clear. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind and love your neighbor. And he says the second one, you can hang your hat, right? It connects right to it. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. I love it because Jesus didn't even skip a beat. There's 600 plus laws and they're trying to trip them up. Which one's the most important? He goes, oh, let me give you some clarity. I remember the day I read that verse and it was kind of this Holy Spirit led moment and I got two stories while I'm in college today. Look at that. But I was in college and I was at the furniture store that I was working at and there was a lot of dead time. And so we would sell uh, mattresses and lazy boys and different things like that. And so I that was when I first started my relationship with the Lord. And so I was bringing in these books to read and I was reading scripture. And I remember reading that story of Jesus because I was in a moment, kind of a pivotal moment in my life of going do I go into full-time ministry? Do I do this? And I had all of these questions about life, right? Of what should I do? What should it look like? And it just felt overwhelming and complex, right? Like, I don't know if you've ever been there before, right? It just felt like there was so much going on. I don't know which road to take. There's this road, this road, this road, this road, all of these roads to take. And everybody had an opinion on which road I should take, right? Like all of these different things. And I just remember feeling this overwhelming. This is too complex. I don't know what you want me to do, God. This 
is, I'm just not sure, and I read that verse, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as you love yourself. It had such an impact on me. I, I called like three or four people. Like, you're not going to believe this. You know what my life's purpose is? To love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and to love my neighbor as yourself. And I picked, called the phone, and I picked it up again. I was like, hey, you're not going to believe this. You know what my life's purpose is? To love the Lord your God, right? And I just remember doing that over and over because it was such an easy but yet profound, life-changing, foundational moment for my life. And it was like, whatever I do, I'm going to do this. I'm going to commit myself to this. And I believe God's going to take care of the rest. Amen. Like I'm going to do, I'm going to wake up today and I'm going to love the Lord my God with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind. I'm going to seek after him. God, what pleases you? What do you want me to do? I'm reporting for duty today, sir. Right? Like I'm ready to go today and I'm going to try to love my neighbor as I love myself. I don't know how to love myself correctly. I got to go to God for that. Right? And God teaches me what what love is. I understand how to love myself. I understand how to love my neighbor. And I, every day I wake up, God, that's my purpose. That's my hope. Whether I'm the pastor of this church or I work in a furniture store or I'm a teacher or whatever it may be, God's like, I'm going to give you the step. Just trust me the way that Enoch trusts me and, and break it down to where it's not so complicated and overwhelming. But he says, I want you to seek after me. I want your desire to be to please me. How much weight does that take off your shoulders and my shoulders, right? We're going, oh, I can do that. I, I can take that step. I can give God my heart, my mind, my affections, my desires. And I can do everything within me to learn the way that God loves and then love those around me the way that he loved. I can devote my life to that, right? Like I can aim, if I aim for that, God gives us this extreme clarity. And I believe at the end of the day, my prayer, I know for my life, and I, I believe for us, and as he's saying this about uh, Abel in a verse, let's see, verse four, it says, and through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. Isn't that a beautiful picture for you and I to go, when I live by faith, I'm living for something that's bigger than me. God's saying, don't let it get complicated. Live by faith. And living by faith means pursuing God and live every single day like he's real, like it's true, and that he is active inside of my life, right? Like if when I go to work on Monday, God is real, 100%, right? And everything that he says is true. And if that is true, then the decisions I make are, are going to be different, right? Different than the world's decisions that they make. Different than the way I think about myself and the way that I think about others, right? And then, even a deeper layer, I'm going to live as though he is active and moving and alive today. Like he is my best friend, right? Like I'm walking in on Monday and I'm like, can you believe what Jesus told me this weekend? You're not going to believe it. It's so good that I can live by faith and it's not so complicated, right? And imagine talking to somebody at work going, you know, religion can feel really complicated, can't it? But can I tell you what God really wants? He wants our heart. He wants us to love him with our heart, soul, and mind. And love our neighbor as our, ourselves. And he's like, he breaks it down. It doesn't have to be so complicated. And he's saying, would you seek after obedience? And God is saying, those are steps that you and I can take to surrender to him. But it takes a moment for you and I to go, you know what? I'm going to live by faith. 
today, I'm going to live like God is real and true and he is active in my life, right? And every single day, I'm like, God, what's going to please you today? How would you want to move in my life today? And it changes. It makes it so simple. It's almost convicting, right? Like it makes it so simple. You're like, oh, now I get, now I know. Now I have to take the step, right? Or I have to decide not to, right? And so it just creates this moan of God's going, look, I want you to, to understand. I love you so much. I don't want it to be complicated. I want you to have this, this holy desperation to be, have my presence to follow me, to be guided by me. And God says, when you do this, we don't do it for the rewards, right? We don't do it to say, look, look how good I am. Look at all these things I did to please God. But he says this in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. It says that he rewards those who seek after him, right? We see this promise of God. He says, when you seek me, I will reward you. I will bless you. I will be with you. All of these pieces, he's saying, if you will trust me, live like I am real, true, and active, I will reward you. I will be walking with you. You'll experience all of these things, but it's not the true aim. The true aim is to love the Lord or God with all your heart, soul, and mind, right? He's saying, if you'll surrender that to me, we'll walk together. And I believe that God wants that for your life and for my life. And I'm hoping that today, maybe you and I can kind of break off some shackles a little bit, right? Like I feel a little more free to serve God today. My, my job title, my vocation, whatever around, like what's going on around me today. I got a mission today. I got a purpose today. I got a hope. And his name is Jesus, right? And I'm going to cling to him. God, what pleases you today? Lead me and guide me every single day. Your principles, you are real, you are active, and everything that you say is true. God. And so I'm going to trust you by faith. Those two words are so powerful, right? Because maybe you can't see it yet, but it's the conviction of things that maybe are not seen yet, but yet by faith we live them, right? By faith. I walk by faith, even though all of this is chaos, crazy, complex. I don't know what's going on, but by faith, I'm going to take a step forward. By faith, I'm trusting God. By faith, I know that God will reward. By faith, I'm living in this, right? And this supernatural peace just comes over us. I had a, uh, just kind of a uh, a couple weeks ago, just this relationship, and I, and I was really wrestling with, like, you know, God, what, what am I going to do, and should I do this to try to get their heart to do this, and all these different things, right? And I had this moment with the Holy Spirit, and I was studying for this series, and the Holy Spirit just kind of whispered, like, hey, if you will just do what I ask you to do, and you believe by faith, I'll work on their heart. You do what I ask you to do, and by faith, I'll work on their heart. And I just this, and I, it felt like a wave. It just felt like this peace just hit my mind, just hit my heart, just hit my soul. It was like, I'm telling you, it was like drinking fresh water. It was like the Holy Spirit just moved. And I just felt it kind of releasing, going, okay, by faith, I'm trusting you, God. By faith. And it changes how we live our lives and how we have relationships with everyone around us. But God says, hey, I want you to trust me enough to live by 
faith. And so I believe that we can do that today. We can do it together. So I want to pray for us as a church. And maybe you're in a moment with God of going, what does that look like for me? What step do I need to take? I have the clear step of loving the Lord your God. Maybe it's just even praying that prayer. God, what pleases you? What do you want me to do today? How can I seek after your heart today on Sunday, right? On July 9th, 2023. And then on July 10th, God, what pleases you? How can I seek after your heart? And how can I practice privately what I learned publicly, right? How can I take these principles and move them into my everyday life that God has called us to? So let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we love you. God, we are so thankful for you. We are so thankful that you are still moving and active and alive inside of our hearts, God. God, we are so thankful that your word says you reward those who seek after you, God. And I just pray that we would have a heart and we would, that question would be on our hearts, that question would be on our minds, God, that we would seek to please you, that we would have this desperation of of having uh, the desire to know what you want for our lives, God. And that you've given us this clarity. I pray that uh, we won't allow it to get complicated in our minds and hearts. But we know our mission today is to love you, God, with our heart, with our soul, and with our mind. God, I pray that you give us the power and the strength to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. And I pray that it redefines how we live our lives, God. And it takes us into a deeper and a deeper relationship with you, God. And that you would use our faith, you would use uh, your, your story in and through us, God, to speak to generations to come. We love you. We ask this in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen, amen. Thank you for tuning in to the Bridge Church Podcast. If you would like to find out more information about our church, you can simply visit our website at thebridgebluffton.com. Have a blessed day.